Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights, episode 282. A shout out to our viewers to like this program so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Tuesday, November the 23rd, and here are the main points. But bef before we go there, let's welcome our co-host, Sridhar Chityalaji. Sridhar Ji, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel, sir. Namaskar, good morning, good evening, good afternoon to everybody. Looking forward to another wonderful day. Thank you, sir. And uh, viewers, uh, regretfully, we could not do yesterday's program because of some technical difficulties. But today we are back and roaring. And the first news item that we're going to go over is Philippines is set to resume the supply to its troops in South China Sea after blockade by Chinese Coast Guard. Wow. Now they are beginning to do blockades. Not good. Nasty business, sir. Well, I think that uh, you will see that they, they exert their threat. Uh, they demonstrate they are capable, then they come back to the meeting, and then they basically say, ha, huh, you know, uh, we're not bullies, you know, we can work with you and, you know, work with us. So it is a subtle way of exerting pressure and then demanding and extracting what they believe they want. This seems to be the common pattern. I don't know whether China is ever a trustworthy nation. It's a nation that has any credibility. And why people continue to, uh, you know, especially Western democratic nations to deal with it uh, is, is beyond comprehension. And Xi quotes ASEAN at summit as Duterte hits out over the South China Sea and says ready to sign ASEAN's nuclear arms free zone treaty. China, on the contrary, continues to bully Bhutan risking South Asian stability. So there are two stories. Duterte is, of course, Philippines. We talked about that. So touch upon the, the nuclear arms free zone treaty, and then we'll talk about Bhutan. Well, I think uh, the, the pattern is consistent. So we started with the, uh, uh, with the Philippine boats being, uh, uh, Filipino boats being blocked. Uh, these are the boats which were, uh, we send supplies to their uh, uh, armed forces, uh, which are guarding the, uh, Scarsbury schools and the other areas, making sure that the fishermen can, uh, you know, easily navigate and conduct their uh, regular business. Uh, then what happens? She turns up at the ASEAN online summit and then says, "Ra ra ra, we are all going to be here. I promise you, in South China Sea, I will not be bullying small nations, uh, and I'll also make sure that there is a nuclear-free uh, treaty, which means that I will not exert any nuclear." Uh, options and I'll also make sure my dear friend from North Korea doesn't, uh, you know, fly missiles into uh, into South China and the other areas. Is what he says, and then uh, uh, then for which uh, you know people take it with a pinch of salt and let's see what comes out of it. So these are the two stories with regard. To, this is the one story with regard to uh, the bullying that happens. Plus then this uh, Xi courting the ASEAN. There's a reason why he's courting the ASEAN because his CPTPP membership go for a toss if any of these guys object to the nomination. Then he goes to, uh, then we have a problem in Bhutan, uh, you know, where he tries to, uh, you know, try to sign a deal and give them some uh, grant, then slowly begin to, uh, begins to grab territory. And, you know, Bhutan cannot defend itself. Uh, and why Bhutan? Because Doklam, and the uh, chicken next point, as well as access to East, uh, is within his radar. So he has now armed himself, uh, just as what he did in Nepal, is trying to do in Bhutan. 
but Bhutan is far more strategic to him because that probably helps to achieve his uh, Himalayan agenda, which is one of the reasons why India is keeping a very close eye as to what's happening there. And uh, U.S. Admiral calls for more Indo-Pacific drills to face China threat. Sridharji, uh, there have been a series of drills, whether you talk about Arabian uh, Sea or in the South China Sea, and, and India has also participated in some, France, Britain, and so on. So there's a lot of stuff happening in this area and region. What more drills can uh, the Quad or perhaps uh, Quad plus UK and France do to be like an effective deterrent? I think in a couple of three sessions ago, we said it's a, a hodgepodge and looks like it looks like a jamboree of uh, in, uh, partnerships and activities. What was present during the old uh, Trump regime in concert with Mr. Abe and Scott Morrison and Mr. Modi at the helm, there was coordinated and consistent set of activities going on with closely knit programs across the four navies uh, along with the, uh, uh, the uh, supported by uh, the, uh, the air, uh, uh, mission, air, air, air missions from the uh, carriers. Now that has basically stopped. You have either the US ships going around or the French ships going around. Remember France and India do exercises in the Indo, in the Indian Ocean and probably parts of the Pacific Ocean, as they call Indo-Pacific, more primarily targeted in Indian Ocean. Australia and India does exercises in Indian Ocean and Pacific Ocean because both have, you know, a lot of strategic interests. But who covers East China Sea? Who covers Taiwan Strait? Who covers South China Sea, etc.? Japan has been fairly absent. There were U.S. and Japanese special forces conducting operations. Japan itself was surrounded by the Russians in the north and the, and the Chinese in the south. And less said the better about the incursions that has consistently <coughs> been going on in the Taiwan Strait. So I think what this U.S. general is saying is absolutely correct. We need consistent and coordinated efforts going on and must go on around this. Oscos remains a D where it, it, you know, Australia gets the, the UK submarines. But is there an Oscos mission that has happened? No. And China downgrades its diplomatic ties with Lithuania while the United States and Taiwan are expected to meet next week for further expanding economic ties. Sridharji, this is something that we expected all along, didn't we? Yes, we did. We did. And I think that China is playing to the China is playing to the playbook, which is namely to say, I'll cut off the diplomatic ties and I'll reduce the stuff. This is what they'll threaten uh, the Lithuania, Poland, uh, any of the countries, EU, etc. Remains to be seen what they do, whether it has any material impact. And was Kurt Campbell watching DGI last Thursday? Perhaps he was. He sees India as the fulcrum in the Indo-Pacific strategy with Vietnam and our next quad meeting planned for March 2022. He was speaking at a think tank last Friday. Wow, wow. Good endorsement, Sridharji. I hope oh. your words come true. 
I, I mean, well, you know, on Friday, uh, Kurt Campbell has never spoken about uh, quad. Uh, Thursday, you know, we kind of gave a little bit of a roast or a toast. Uh, then, surprise, surprise. I mean, people don't, there's a very good set of audience we have for DGI, probably some of them from policymakers watching the show uh, from Washington, D.C. Uh, so therefore, I mean, you know, we have that data to uh, to uh, to establish our point. Plus, of course, people giving feedback, etc., from informed through informal channels. But lo and behold, out of nowhere, uh, Kurt Campbell comes out and says, India will be the fulcrum point and the key strategic player as we move into Indo-Pacific Sea. And he adds Vietnam to it, which is namely Indo-Vietnam uh, will be very close collaboration. And by the way, we do have Quad, and we're going to have the next meeting of Quad in March 2022. When was the last meeting of Quad? We had one in March 2021. Then we had one recently in October where we talked about vaccines. We never talked about the navigation and the strategic deterrence in the main objective with which Quad was formed. Strategic deterrent around maintaining open seas not only in Indo-Pacific, South China Sea, East China Sea, Taiwan And Vietnam's Prime Minister visits Japan and with him a delegation of 50 leaders to broaden trade and security cooperation. So you just touched upon Vietnam and lo and behold, we have something happening in Vietnam uh, with Vietnam and Japan. Vietnam and Japan are coming together and I think they're planning to broaden the areas of cooperation Japan is trying to find ways by which uh, it can expand its footprint uh, in the <coughs> in your zone that includes Taiwan, that includes Vietnam, uh, that includes Thailand, that includes uh, uh, India, etc., etc., shifting away its reliance on China. And uh, Europe is riveting with agitations. I think Europe is wrestling with agitations opposing vaccine mandates. Holland, Germany, Austria are some of the countries that are facing this problem. On the contrary, COVID cases have been on the rise across Europe. Sridharji, every time the gate is opened, something happens and again you go into this lockdown mode. So if you think about it as like a, a, a time-bound function, time series function, you are going to have these peaks, spikes but those spikes should slowly die down over a period of time, I would expect. Do you see the same patterns? Because in fact, the second wave was higher than the first wave. Third wave, fourth wave, now I think, is this a fifth wave? Uh, Europe is in the fourth wave. Um, and uh, your obje ob object, uh, sorry, observations of the sine curve series uh, seems very consistent. The unfortunate truth is nobody wants to get behind the truth. And there's been no investigations, there's been no coordinated efforts. These cases come, these cases grow. Austria has high rise, Germany has high cases. In fact, when you take a look, probably we'll share it tomorrow. The top 10 nations in the world which most active cases, you will find seven out of the 10 are in Europe. Russia, Poland, uh, then you have uh, Austria, uh, Holland, Germany, United Kingdom, uh, Turkey. All these nations, I've included Turkey because it's part of the NATO. <coughs> so you can include them in that cluster. High incidence of deaths and very high active cases. So what do they do when you have high active cases? You basically, uh, you know, you say we'll shut down. 
and everybody says you shut down nothing achieves uh, then you know you say vaccination we are vaccinated nothing is achieved then you again basically are establishing curbs basically you have a surreptitious surreptitious agenda so people are rebelling against this whole shutdown and german <clears throat> german coalition deal is said to be announced and an imminent government formation two months after the election. This would mark the end of the Angela Merkel era, isn't it, Sridharji? End of Angela Merkel era, strange co coordination. You have, uh, you know, conservatives, you have Green, uh, and then you have the social democrats all forming a government. Let's hope that it augurs well and uh, they begin to look more Eurocentric rather than uh, reliant on the, uh, 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 on the Chinese which was Angela Merkel, and later she herself got knowledge that she regrets her decisions on China. And U.S. sends patrol boats to Ukraine amid tensions with Korea. Kremlin accuses the West of artificially whipping up Ukraine tension. See, that there seems to be like a one buildup versus another buildup. Russia was trying to say that because U.S. put troops in Ukraine, therefore we are building up troops on the other side. Um, who started building their troops, sir? But in 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 defense to in 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 the defense of U.S. when Russia occupied uh, Crimea, I think that's when the troop buildup happened on Ukraine border, isn't it? The troop buildup has been on and off uh, with regard to Ukraine. The annexation of Crimea, which Ukraine objected to, uh, you know, resulted in a tremendous amount of tensions with potential invasion that was uh, thwarted. To some extent, Angela Merkel has to be given responsibility uh, for, or Angela Merkel has to be given due credit for working with Vladimir, who is, uh, you know, they have a very close uh, rapport to diffuse that specific tension. Uh, but, you know, having done that, you also had this uh, uh, plane, uh, Ukrainian plane being shot down. And there was this question around, you know, who was responsible, whether it is the Russian missile, etc. <coughs> so the tensions have prevailed quite consistently between Russia and Ukraine. And then you had when the new regime took over and then there was uh, Trump and Vladimir trying to keep stuff calm. and. Uh, they never interfered in each other's affairs. Things went on. Uh, then there was a cooked up issue around this uh, Russian interference that turns out to be the other way. But then there came the Biden administration. They said they are going to give impetus to NATO and started to conduct exercises. It's almost like waking up a sleeping giant. They woke up and Vladimir got up. Up until that point of time, there was even very somber discussions between Russia and China. And now we have brought Russia and China closer, not only in that waters, but also in the broader Alaska, Pacific, uh, the broader Japanese or East uh, China Sea, uh, and then right into Afghanistan, you are finding this new strange petrol, uh, which is namely Russia and China. Sir. So I think some of these geopolitical decisions people can't uh, uh, fathom in terms of the rationality or the rationality, but then this, these things pop up. There's no let up in the Belarus border tensions with more nations urging the European Union to intervene. Poland's Prime Minister says Belarus will, uh, will use Afghan refugees as a blackmailing point in its border 
to secure its rights. Sir, a little bit of context here. What is the importance of Belarus to the Western Europe? The importance of Belarus to Western Europe is on two significant fronts. One is the gas pipelines flow through uh, Belarus into the Western Europe, uh, especially the Russian. So if they, if if there's anything is done, if anything is done, if they choose to shut off those pipes, there's no gas going from Russia. Okay, so that's number one. Number two is that they're also a gateway point with borders that they share with Lithuania, Poland, and other other places, potentially creating a gateway uh, because Turkey and Belarus has a seamless air traffic and Turkey seems to be overzealous in dumping refugees from be it Afghanistan or Syria or from even, uh, you know, as, as Poplan corners as Somalia. So the story is that these refugees come in Belarus and make their way uh, into the forest uh, and into the European border. So you have Belarus playing a significant part uh, in that uh, in, on those two strategic fronts. And of course, even worse is that the Russians and Belarus work very closely together. And you saw that the Russian planes coming in and conducting exercise on the Belarus border and especially with Poland and causing alarm bells going and Poland saying NATO you're keeping quiet and these guys are all over the place. So you have both from a security point of view as well as from a supplies point of view Belarus is trying to extract its piece of flesh. India's second quarter GDP has been pegged at 8.1% and the fiscal year 22 growth uh, now seen in the range of 9.3 to 9.6% with fully 42% of the population vaccinated. That is the first and the second dose. Indian exports rose 55.13% to US 223.54 billion while import for the same period rose 78.16% to US 331.39 billion, leaving a deficit of $97.85 billion. Indian exports are on target target to cross close to 400 billion. Sridharji, your thoughts on India's numbers? Uh, you know, even though exports are up, the imports are also significantly up, sir. India is a net importer, sir. Uh, yeah. once, upon a, once upon a time, that uh, imports used to be substantive. Uh, the two concepts have helped India to reduce the amount of uh, deficit. Uh, one is obviously the indigenization of uh, or what you call as the PLI programs or Make in India programs, which has done a tremendous amount of import substitution. Favorable oil prices has cut significantly into the, the duties and the exchange rate issues uh, that helped. You remember oil was around 46 it was even at one point of time, it was $30 a barrel. It went into 46. Uh, now, uh, you know, it is around, uh, today it's very good. It's around $76, $77. Uh, in the previous, you know, it had gone up to $85. So <clears throat> higher the energy prices, you're going to have the offset coming on the, on the import side of the uh, Indian bill. But the fact that they are trying to continue to build the exports um, means that they can manage the trade deficit and trade imbalance fairly well. One thing also we have to take into account just by looking at the numbers, 
the, that factor is that India today has a $650 billion or $640 billion reserve. So in other words, in the event of an adversity, that it will be able to sustain imports even with any disruption in exports or any disruption in other factors that it will be able to withstand. This is what you achieve with a combination of reserves, notwithstanding the fact you do have some imbalance in the export import numbers. Uh, Sridharji, just for the context, you know, um, most people in India and, and perhaps even the media in India, they talk as if the crude is being always purchased at spot, which means there are daily prices. And, and really what we talk about when the market, when we quote a number, it's a crude futures for a certain day. Now, I want to jog your memory back to the point when India disengaged itself from Iran and hitched its wagon to United States. And the United States said that we will hold your uh, refined product, uh, refined or crude, I don't remember which one, and you can draw it down from Saudi Arabia. Therefore, the, the distance was more or less the same. Now, was there a price guarantee that was also part of that deal, sir? The price guarantee was part of the deal. Then there was also second most important element that was part of the deal. India will process the unrefined West Texas crude, Brent crude, and the process will be exported on behalf of United States uh, to the nearby nations, uh, which US exports to. This is how the trade between India and United States went up to $150 billion. And today the number is somewhere close to that around 156, 157. As we speak, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, the US, uh, what you call trade representative uh, Kathleen Tai is in United, is in India. Now with Mr. Biden choking off his supply lines, he has now become an importer rather than an exporter. What that is going to do that specific deal, whether India is substituting with uh, someone else, uh, remains to be seen. Remember, India substituted Saudi Arabia and became, United States substituted Saudi Arabia and became number two uh, exporter of oil to, United, to India. And uh, is this the complete supplies for India? Was it like a significant portion? Any idea, sir? What's the percentage? Uh, I think it's a good chunk of the portion that I won't say India balances itself uh, with Iraq, uh, with uh, United States. Uh, it also gets uh, from UAE. Uh, it also gets from other nations. So it has a very good balanced supply of crude from multitude of nations. I think India has learned a wise lesson, <coughs> sorry, not to be reliant on one single nation or one single supplier. And as you rightly said, it does a lot of futures. At that point of time, India had also had done a deal with United States for strategic drawdown, but that also that's been nullified right now. That doesn't exist. Um, so India does have a relationship with UAE to drawdown and has some common storage capacity on the oil side, but it is not reliant on one single uh, partner, uh, you know, by way of, uh, by way of, uh, by way of its, uh, sub, uh, what you call demand fulfillment. I think India still has some 
um, what you call with Iran has um, uh, ability to also import from Iran, but it has reduced the amount, but it does have that ability with Iran as well. It has actually sourced oil from as far destinations as Caribbean uh, to as proximate destinations on the African. The only reason why they're a little bit concerned about the African side is the the the, the piracy. piracy. Yeah, the other types of issues. Yeah. And India invites global investors to join its energy transitional journey at the Dubai Expo meet. Indian government to exceed fiscal year 22 tax collection target. Exports of processed food products and agriculture grows by 14.7%. That's impressive, Sridharji. Well, you remember two, uh, you know, UP and Gujarat became two states where they did a collaboration with Italy and a couple of other nations to produce uh, processed food like tomatoes and so on. And not only for domestic consumption, but also for export purposes. So very clearly in that specific uh, segment. I don't know about Karnataka, but clearly I know UP and and in, in Gujarat they had done that. Of course, Maharashtra with its present uh, issues, it seems to be at a standstill. Uh, and um, um, the processing industry taking off along those lines <coughs> augurs well for the the agricultural and food processing industry for India, sir. And U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai to focus on market access and revival of key trade areas. Sridharji, Catherine Tai um, hasn't been quite that much in the limelight as the Republican equivalent, isn't it? Has not been. Uh, and, you know, she has had a visit to China with an intent whether she can normalize the ties. Then she has had a visit to uh, ASEAN um, nations to see whether that can be energized, especially within the context of CPTPP. Uh, U.S. has declined uh, to join the trade group, uh, notwithstanding the fact there is tremendous amount of wooing going on. Uh, she is also likely to make her visit to Taiwan to expand uh, trade. And, and obviously, India is the area where you know, they are trying to look to. I have to admit it's a very pleasant surprise that the Biden administration is making all the right noises and attempting to do all the right things as far as India is concerned uh, in a strategic context, be it trade, be it uh, vaccines, be it uh, uh, the diplomacy around uh, uh, the, uh, the supply of uh, equipment, especially around the defense equipment that India needs be it uh, you know surveillance aircraft, be it uh, the uh, the drones that India acquired. Uh, so India seems to be on uh, uh, in you know pretty good books. And then you had the Kurt Campbell statement. Now Kathleen Tai going there and saying we want to expand a trade cooperation between United States and India. So contrary to the negative, uh, the Biden administration seems to be making all the right things as far as from trade to security is concerned. Might be in the bonnet is around the quad, where which is where they should have really focused, and uh, which is very important deterrent for the uh, for for the open uh, Indo-Pacific as well as the open navigation, um, and that's where the maximum amount of trouble is going to come. But it's good she's making her way. And amid India-China tension, in China deploys long-range strategic bomber close to the line of actual control. 
Indian Army will stand up to all forms of threats, asserts Army's Vice Chief of Staff. This saber-rattling is now in its, what, 15th, 18th month, Sridharji? It goes on. It never stops. Countless. Uh, why 15? It's just it's, uh, every other day you have, uh, this is Mr. Rajnath Singh. If not Mr. Rajnath Singh, it is uh, either the Deputy Chief of Staff or it is Chief of the Armed Services or it is the Chief of... Uh, uh, Mr. Bipin Rawat, some, you know, someone is making, but the fact that they continue to make the noise, they continue to keep this rumbling going on is one thing which is very good news. In fact, I uh, forgot to also, uh, um, we should mention that uh, the, uh, the Ministry for External Affairs has stated that the behavior of China, especially along LAC and trying to uh, preserve their view of the status quo it has not been the way China has historically behaved, uh, is a statement that he has made. So it is a cause for concern, and I hope something is not going to break out. So, but all the rhetoric and all the stuff that is going on seems to point out both nations are almost at, you know, handshaking distance. If something slips, I think we are in for a, some kind of a combat. All Rafale jets to be delivered by the end of April, says French envoy. Indian authorities seize containers carrying radioactive material from Pakistan to China in Indian waters. Sridharji, um, they are supposed to be only in international waters whenever they are, you know, taking freight, uh, freighting cargo. How did they uh, wade into Indian waters, Sridharji? Well, it's an interesting, first and foremost, how did they wade? Uh, you know, these things, uh, you know, when you have stealth activity and when the crew doesn't know uh, what exactly transpires, uh, you know, in this navigation, you occasionally, a couple of times, you get caught. And in this instance, and in many occasions, you don't get caught, you slip. Why you slip? Because there's not enough uh, investigation, supervision, and validation of the cargo is done. <coughs> it's obviously people are scouting for uh, radioactive material. It's very, very alarming that this has been detected. And why is it going from Pakistan to China is the other big question. I think more details will come out in, in due course. And Democrats take victory lap on Biden's spending plan as Pelosi downplays the looming Senate changes. Climate accord and amnesty illegal stop the numbers with childcare credits becoming backdoor entry for welfare payments without work. Are these for the illegal immigrants or, or for the others, Sridharji? There are three essential elements to this package. $550 billion is for the climate. You will see some of these things, you know, pilfering its way into amnesty. $550 billion. Can you believe $550 billion? astronomical number then you have 440 billion to some extent of that number for this child care credits what they see here is that what is considered as a uh, as a tax offset plus what is also considered as minimum payments becoming a mandated welfare payment that means every child it doesn't matter it's not for only covid but it is going to be a mandated payment that is getting in. So people don't need to work and you get it. You have this social security structure in Australia. 
Australia and probably parts of Europe, you have this, you know, you have four children, you get paid, uh, you know, once you pass a specific, uh, you know, test, uh, what you call the income test. So what the what people are afraid of is that this has become a, now a mandated kind of a welfare payment. Then stuck within this bill, which we are looking into, is almost an amnesty for close to somewhere between 4 to 4.6 million out of the 8 or 8.5 million. Total is 11, but there's the 8.5 million illegals who are stuck in this country. And this is how the DACA program came in. So we are analyzing all this. There's one other provision which has not been, which has been factored in that is likely to take a cut. This is this around, you know, paid leave uh, and paid welfare uh, during a specific periods. Um, and that is likely to take a hit in the, when it goes to the Senate, people like uh, Kirsten as well as uh, Manchin uh, are not supportive of that. So it remains to be seen how this package and what size this package gets in. But within the package, you have these elements. That's how progressives uh, allowed the bill to pass through and allowed the infrastructure bill to pass through. But this has to go back to the House if the Senate uh, doesn't support and trims it further. That's the battle that we can watch after the Thanksgiving. And Senate adjourns for Thanksgiving after impasse over the defense bill and with Build Back Better bill also delayed. Now, Texas Attorney General places the blame on Biden administration as yet another caravan makes its way towards the border. Sridharji, I thought this was stopped at the south of Mexico border. No, they're coming. They keep coming. So there's the next big caravan is coming. Uh, there was also, uh, I, I don't know, over the weekend, a very small number, about 200 people were able to sneak into the, uh, get into the uh, United States across, uh, you know, crossing the border. And the rationale that has been given is that, you know, uh, there's not enough enforcement people to, uh, to stop them. They, and they find gaps and holes and they make the way. But this big caravan is going to be a worry. And overarchingly, what you are seeing is the greatest, greatest illegal immigration that is making its way into this country in a very narrow window of time. By the time we finish 2021, we could be having close to 2 million people who would have navigated besides about 1.5 or 1.6 million apprehended and sent back. Okay, so therefore you have this gigantic number uh, that is sitting in front of us. And, and then you have about what they call, whichever way you look at it, between 9 and 11 million already in this country uh, who are crying for normalization of their status. So this is going to be a flood. Many of them don't have the ability to, you know, they all have to be trained, educated, blah, blah, blah. So it is going to have a great burden on top of a debt and deficit that is soaring its way. And mass looting moves to San Francisco Bay suburbs for a second straight night on Saturday. At least five dead and 40 injured by a driver driving through Christmas parade in Wisconsin. Kyle Rittenhouse gives first interview and says the case has nothing to do with race while marches and protests galore across United States and both parties are taking up opposite positions. Sridharji, 
Kyle Rittenhouse was 17 years old when this thing happened. The judgment is out. A jury has spoken. Why is the country not willing to move on? The country refuses to move on. It acts on emotions. It doesn't act on facts. Remember O.J. Simpson's case? If you all mm -hmm. remember O.J. Simpson's case, lo and behold, they cried and cried and cried. And basically that guy, the truth eventually came out or his behavior eventually came out. And you know what the story is. The same here with Kyle Rittenhouse. He said it's a self-defense. It's nothing to do. If you are attacked, you're going to defend yourself. So the verdict was passed, not satisfied. So what does uh, Mr. Nadler, Ralph Nadler says? Department of Justice now must intervene <coughs> and file a manslaughter case against Kyle Rittenhouse. So this is what, you know, uh, they're saying. They must file a case. And then these fellows think that anything, and they, the, uh, the progressives calls, if he's, uh, they, they have a word, white supremacist. So if you are not a, you know, if, you, if any incident like this happens, you happen to be the other side. Some big media channels, I don't want to mention the names, everybody knows, haven't taken their position on this. To the extent that even both sides of the communities are saying, if media can stop the rhetoric, thing life can go on. But right now we are run by an administration, we have an administration which has taken a stand, not just on one front, but across multitude of fronts, critical race theory. Okay, then you have the, uh, then you have, uh, the reparations, uh, then you have uh, payments to illegals, then you have uh, discriminated uh, or uh, what you call delineated view of dispensation of aid, which we have discussed around, especially loans as well as the, uh, the land uh, loans uh, uh, efforts that, that translated into some parts of some people being getting more benefit, some people getting less benefit. Then you have the LGTB movement. No, etc. So you have a whole set of activities. Oh, then you have the crime rates, the defund police movement. Okay. So what, I mean, then you have this new rule that is prevalent and you can see in California, people are going to Nordstrom and looting. I mean, it's not only in, you know, uh, is it, uh, I forget the name of the street in downtown San Francisco. That, uh, the, the looting happened in a suburb called Walnut Creek, Sridharji. Yeah, Walnut Creek, as well as it's now uh, slipped to Oak Oakland. The yes. Oakland suburbs. It has uh, moved to Oakland suburbs. So when you look at all this, uh, if uh, uh, this uh, looting that goes on, where they just loot and go, and the, the goods are uh, being sold on the st side streets around the Bay Area, uh, it just defies logic in terms of, you know, where is the law enforcement? Where is the law? Nobody wants to touch it because you have a government which seems to be taking a very specific view on these positions. That's why we have this chaos. And drone strike on U.S. airbase. Is this Iran's retaliation for Israeli airstrikes, Sridharji? Uh, yes. Yes. The Iraq is basically uh, stating that, um, well, you know, so Iran is stating that, uh, hey, you know, um, I will do what I think I need to do by using drones. And that's exactly what they have done. Uh, they have dared. Information again is suppressed. We're probably one of the few people, you know, even talking about this. Uh, there is no mainstream coverage. What exactly is the damage? We don't know. And they basically, it's the first daring attempt 
but there has been an attack. There has been attempts which have been thwarted, which we have covered in DGI, but this attack seems to have happened. Whether it caused any damage, you know, we'll report as uh, time passes by. But basically, you know that uh, they don't, they do not dare to act against Israel. If Israel does something, they do something on Israel. They get disproportionate, uh, you know, what you call uh, gift Response. from the Israelis. Yeah. Uh, from the uh, from the Israelis, so they try and do it this way. Very very unfortunate, sir. And the United Kingdom is going to name the entirety of Hamas as a terrorist organization. Sridharji, another interesting news that is quietly coming out of United Kingdom is that they have passed their citizenship law. They've tweaked it to to basically strip somebody of the citizenship. This happened in the case of a girl who went to Syria and fight on behalf of the ISIS, whatever the other things that were you know, happening. And now United Kingdom has uh, tweaked its law that they can actually make somebody a non-citizen. He could be born in UK, could be fifth generation, whatever, it doesn't matter. Looks like there is a new clause that if you do things that are not expected, then you could be stripped of your citizenship. Well, it looks, uh, I think that is, that's a very good, attempt. I think Australia has a similar kind of a policy. I won't be surprised if Singapore has a, something similar, but it hasn't happened. And Australia has, in UK, I'm glad that it is coming up. UK has, has real major challenges. Of course, Europe has equally great, greater challenges. It remains to be seen whether they would follow something similar. Uh, but this is a very uh, important announcement. It's not been announced by United States. But UK has announced they want to make the entire Hamas as a terrorist organization. And let's take a quick look at markets. Um, US stocks started out being high uh, because of the uh, reappointment of Jerome Paul, but looks like it has given up its gains at the end of the day. It has given most of its gains. In fact, almost all of it. It was up 300 points, you know, rah, rah, rah. Then suddenly it said, okay, policy continuation uh, normalization. Uh, Lael Brainard is uh, the progressive is now the uh, the vice chair for the Fed, um, but will not have a material impact. So we're going to have uh, a continuation of the same policies and possibly two rate hikes coming uh, end of next year, which is what the original promised Jerome Powell's position. And you saw the bond deals kind of uh, going up. It's around one point across the 1.6%, it even went to 1.67%. Uh, the good news amongst all this is that the oil prices have dipped, have dipped not because of any sudden uh, you know, drop in demand, but there is a fear that there's a global shutdown is coming, especially in Europe. So this good news that uh, the oil is around the 71, $76 a barrel, slipping almost $10 in the last few days. And for the year, the Dow is up 16.2%, Standard & Poor is up 26.6%, and the NASDAQ is up 24.59%. So Sridharji, all around, this has been a banner year for stocks. Banner year for the stocks. Today, the um, uh, as we finish the day, you know, my, uh, it's there, the NASDAQ was down about 1.3%. Uh, but good news is Thanksgiving and Christmas and Santa Claus are coming. So usually we have a Santa Claus rally. So generally we finish the year even slightly higher than baby R, so which makes it uh, 
even a much stronger and wonderful year uh, for 2021 as we as we predicted uh, the only um, uh, silver uh, only only dark cloud is the cryptos fell uh, contrary to my predictions they are below 60000 right now but i'm optimistic that we'll get past 60000 again and 65000 as we close out the year so these are the numbers as far as the markets go in end of the year is still 30 plus days away sir and probably 25 calendar 25 working days so we'll wait and see how it goes thanks once again for joining viewers and do please like share and subscribe to our channel sridharji as always a pleasure and i'll see you tomorrow again same time same place and namaskar namaskar thank you so much and uh, we're excited to be back again tomorrow